Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Lion's Roar podcast. I am one of your hosts, Spencer Morris, and here with me today, I have... Uh, Kevin Klein. And uh, we will be talking a little bit today uh, on our first episode about uh, what is Christian education. Um, we have a few folks with us who are uniquely equipped to talk to us about that. So um, I will let them introduce themselves. Brett, you want to start? For us. Sure. Thank you, Spencer, for <laughs> saying my name for my introduction. I'm Brett Moore. I'm the director of Christian Life here. Hi, I'm David McVicker. I'm the principal at Lakeway Christian Academy. I'm Dr. Reagan Long. I'm the principal of the Cornerstone Campus, which is pre-K through fifth grade. All right. Excellent. Well, b- based on my personal like educational experience, not not professional but personal, with this many like high authority people in one room at once, I almost feel like I'm in trouble. But I, I know you all personally, so I'm actually really excited uh, about this today. So thank you all seriously for being with us uh, for an important topic. And again, our first episode of this show. I, I guess we should explain a little bit about what this is, because other than like a minute and a half trailer, uh, this really just lives in mine and Dr. Klein's head. So um, our thought for the Lions World podcast is kind of, twofold. Uh, We want it to be a spot where parents, families, anyone really can get up to date on what's going on at Lakeway Christian Academy, Cornerstone Christian Academy, you know, just Lakeway Christian schools in general, um, learn about specific events, but then also beyond that, that it can be a development tool of sorts, specific to Christian education. You know, um, I said previously, like why it is necessary, why it's so unique, and really why we do what we do. Uh, is kind of the thought behind it. So the topic for this episode kind of wrote itself. You know, you can't do a Christian education podcast if you don't know what Christian education is. Uh, So we'll kind of get into that uh, unless you have any other thoughts to back me up there, Dr. Klein? Uh, No, just the only thing I would add is that we are excited to have a different modality for you to be able to explore Christian education, to be able to to hear from us and and our unique setting and who we are, uh, but also to our families just to provide another tool to be able to communicate with you effectively um, so that we can, you can know more about us and that we can really try to, try to tell you our story, uh, but also just explain to you things that we are doing at Lakeway Christian Schools. All right. Well, completely agree there. Uh, Then I guess without any further ado, I I need to ask the question because it's the topic of the episode, and and I'll I'll direct this to you, Mr. McVicker. What is Christian education? Yeah, so that's a real simple, easy question. (laughs) This real fast. Uh, Uh, You know, there's been you know countless books written. uh, People debate these things, college courses, all of these kinds of things. So I spent some time last night trying to think through this question and really frame it up in a way that, that could be succinct and, and helpful. And, and I think a, a helpful way to, to view this uh, for most people is Christian education is an educational context that applies a biblical worldview to education. And that, that's, a, that's a simple kind of header statement, but really... You know, if you unpack that a little bit, it, it means that we, number one, we recognize who our students are. We have a right understanding of God's word and what he tells us in his word about ourselves and about our nature. We know that we, and when I say we, I mean both students and the adults in the building, uh, we bear the image of Christ. Uh, we, are, we are created in God's image and we have value and we have attributes that reflect his nature. 
and two, that we are fallen sinners. Uh, we recognize that we're all uh, under the curse of the fall, and that, that taints that nature within us, and, and it is something that has to be addressed. The second thing I would say is that we, in Christian education, we prioritize discipleship. Um, you know, we are a school, and so it's important that our students learn math and you know, how to read, how to write, all of those kinds of things. But at the same time, we make it, make it a priority that we want to help every student in our, under our authority develop in their walk with Christ. And I think it's important to point out, too, that that means not that we're trying to or that we think it's even possible to create perfect Christians, uh, you know, that once a student walks across the stage at graduation, that means they're, they're, they're done, right? <laughs> that, that certainly is not the case. But simply wherever a student is when they come to us, they ought to have grown some uh, over the course of their time with us uh, under our influence. Uh, thirdly, I would say that we want to evaluate everything that we do through a biblical lens. And so that means, uh, you know, sometimes I like to put it, it's not just what we teach, but how we teach it. Um, you know, the, the, you can think about the question, is there a Christian way to teach spelling? Uh, you know, is, is there a way to think Christianly about math? Uh, and so, you know, they, there are some who would say, you know, math is math. It doesn't matter. One plus one is two. It doesn't matter what kind of building you're in or what name is on the outside of it. And that's true. But the way that we interact with our students to help them understand those things, to put it into the context of their lives, uh, that changes drastically when we do that with a biblical worldview. And finally, I would say uh, it changes the way that we view our role uh, with parents. Uh, we see ourselves as a partner to parents. Uh, we believe that God gives parents the responsibility to educate their children. We don't take that responsibility from them when they bring them to our schools. Uh, but we're here to assist uh, and to help those parents so that they can fulfill that responsibility in the best way possible to glorify God. That was great, David. Thank you for sharing that. That's actually a great segue into kind of the next piece. And just to remind everyone, like today is a, this is, you know, the 30,000 foot view. And, and each, each week when we release a new episode, we're going to be diving into topics more specifically. But you mentioned parents at the end. And, and Dr. Long, you have the unique perspective to not only be, you know, a, a leader of a building and a leader of a school, leader of teachers and, and students and families, but also you have a, you have a daughter at Lakewood Christian School. So, what is it like to be a parent in Christian education? Sure. Um, so for the people not in the room, I am the mother of one daughter who is a junior here at Lakeway. Um, and I would say to you, uh, what I say to parents all the time is, I absolutely love my job. You know, God calls us to our work. Uh, our work is a big part of our calling. And so it's very important for me to be able to go and do my job and focus on that. But I could not do that if I didn't know I was sending my daughter to a place where people um, care about her as much as I do and where people are available to her um, throughout her day to love and disciple her the way that I would. And so those people are doing that in my stead. And um, I tell people all the time as the principal, I don't take that lightly. I don't take lightly that people give their children to us throughout the day so that we can spend those hours with them, but also so that we can guide and direct them. And so what I can tell you um, from my own experience as a parent in Christian education is, you know, my daughter as a teenage girl has gone through some really hard 
things. You know, life is hard, especially when you're in middle school or high school. And so um, there have been many times that she has come to school upset, um, usually visibly because she's my daughter and neither of us hold our emotions in very well. But (laughs) she comes to school, uh, she's upset. And, you know, there are teachers here that are not always the teachers you would think of. Um, Some of them have been football coaches. Some of them have been math teachers. Um, But she comes to them and she kind of tells them about what's happening in her life. And also as a mom, I can tell you how important that is when you have teenage children. You know, we have a great relationship. We talk about almost everything. Um, But knowing that she has trusted adults that she can also share those struggles with is really important to me and to my husband and our family. And so um, she's come with those hard times and those struggles. And these men of God who are here as teachers have given her Bible studies to read. They've given her books. Um, Some of them just tell her, like, we think you're experiencing, you know, this or that. And I want you to read this chapter in the Bible or I want you to read this chapter in this book. And then I want you to come back tomorrow and I want you to tell me what God said to you as you were reading that or I'm going to be praying for you tonight. I want you to be praying about this thing, and then we're going to talk about that tomorrow. And none of them have failed to follow through with that. Um, They have not only taught her chemistry and pre-calculus and all the things that she needs to do, um, the important career that God's planned for her life, but they've also taught her what it means to be a woman of God and how uh, she she can take all of those lamentations, she can take all of those celebrations to him and he has the answer and he won't fail her. Um, but, but they haven't either, you know, they've showed up for her every time she's needed them as well. And so that's just such a comfort to my husband and I, um, like I said, you know, we both love our own careers and we love doing what we do, but we couldn't do that if we didn't know that she was safe and taken care of as well. That's great. Thank you for sharing. Um, when I think of Christian education, only being in Christian education for two years now, the one thing I thought when I came to school is like, where is the pastor, right? Where is the person that is leading the charge of all things Christian, all things spiritual? And um, what I soon began to realize is, is that um, that's not one person's job, right? Just like what you talked about, Dr. Long. And so thank you so much for sharing that. Um, the next question, Brett, is for you. And you kind of do have that role a little bit, right? Like you kind of are like, uh, hey, every kind of everything kind of hinges on what you do. No pressure. Uh, but um, as our director of Christian life, um, what is your role in, in the in the process of Christian education? Yeah, that's a great question. And the gravity is not lost on me because, you know, my my uh, professional or even institutional experience um, is not even not just Christian education, education, period. And my my experience is as a pastor and in church work. And so for me, this transition into kind of the, the institution of education and specifically the Christian education has, has been different. Um, but I would say that my passion and calling, those remain the same, which has been that I, I love to see people being formed into the image of Jesus, like spiritual formation. What does it look like for you to grow into the likeness of Christ? And one of the things that has been helpful for me is this thought of, you know, the my role is not to make sure everybody is is a, a ten out of ten by the time they walk across the stage at graduation. Um, but I do think that um, that helping somebody move somewhere along the uh, along the pathway, maybe it's from a, a two to a four, whatever the whatever numbers you want to pick for that metaphor. Um, but my role is to help people do that. And I think the way that I do that best is 
is by just what you said, we don't want people to be able to ignore Jesus. We want that to be unmistakably obvious about your time here on campus and when you're and when you're not here. And so part of it is in in making sure that, you know, the whether it's a chapel service or a conversation, uh, that the focal point is uh, is the gospel. It's that you are far worse than you ever dreamed and more loved than you can ever imagine. And that we keep going back to that over and over again. And that you only sp- you don't spend the majority of your life at school, even in the years that you're a student. You spend the majority of your life at home and with friends and at, you know, maybe at church or in other places. And so what does it look like for you to retain a little bit of what hopefully you're being both taught and what you're catching, uh, whether that's in a, a, you know, an actual class or if, if it is in an informal conversation, to be sent home by a, a teacher or somebody that plays a, a mentor role in your life and to want to chase something down in the scriptures, chase something down in a book, to spend time in prayer, to the idea that we have people who are encouraging students to chase after the Lord in prayer when they go home is, man, that is, uh, that's like the secret sauce of, of what we do around here. And so my role is to help people do that and help, not just students themselves, not just our faculty, but parents, you know, to, to help them, to give them some tools with handles and some resources and some places where, you know, not just they can find information, uh, but also to let them know that like being a Christian following Jesus uh, is is not just an up and to the right journey. Um, kind of giving people a little bit of safety and reality that um, we are, you know, we are sort of uh, we're 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 struggling along in this journey, and that's okay. One thing that makes us a little unique at Lakeway Christian Schools is being um, a multi-denominational school. And so many times in Christian education, you have schools that are um, a Baptist academy or a Presbyterian school or whatever the case may be. And so they have these denominational things that, um, you know, are from, from top to bottom that everyone understands and knows and does. But for us being multi-denominational, how, how does that impact your day-to-day walk? I'm going off script a little bit. I apologize. <laughs> but okay. how, how, does that, how does that impact what you're doing each day? Yeah, I mean it does it does impact a little bit in that I think that there are uh there are some some open-handed issues that you have to be okay not not majoring on. You know, you, we don't want to major on on minor things here. There are some things that we can be in fellowship with other believers. And I just had this conversation earlier today uh that it's we should be comfortable with people that we don't necessarily uh we don't attend the same church with. Because we're going to worship together forever. Uh, we are going to be at the same altar at some point forever. And so like part of part of being around people from other churches, denominational faith backgrounds, it helps us. It's practice. It's practice for forever. Um, and so but how we how we sort of balance that out is by is by sticking to really like major major things, major themes, um, and and not trying to get into like we're, we're not catechizing people here. We're not trying to uh, educate people about cooperative programs. We're not confirmation class. We're not doing those kinds of things. But we are, we are pointing back to what I think is the most helpful thing for us is the scriptures, the the Bible uh, itself, and um, and allowing it to speak and to dictate. I, this is uh, this is what uh, this is what the Bible is allowing us to see as a very forming uh, forming resource. It is living. It's active, and so you know. 
grasping the the necessity of, of Bible knowledge and a relationship with Jesus uh, does help us to kind of cross those denominational backgrounds. I appreciate you giving kind of that, uh, again, you used the phrase, what, 30,000 foot look, right? And, and I know we're requiring that of each of you today, especially just given the topic. But uh, something I, I keep hearing from everybody in the room so far, and I think maybe this is just a Lakeway thing, is, you know, in a lot of other workplaces I've been in, you ask someone what they do, or someone will tell you what their function is. And more often I hear here at Lakeway what someone's function is by way of how they do something for someone else. So rather than, you know, Brett just saying, ah, I, I direct Christian life at this whole school system. You talk significantly about what you do for parents, what you do for students. We, we refer to ourselves and the work we do as a function of something rather than being, you know, this siloed process that happens over and over. So I, with that in mind, I'll, I'll kind of circle back to something we were saying just now, and I'll, I'll put you in the hot seat, uh, Dr. Klein. Partnering with parents is such a crucial piece of what you we do in general. Brett, you were talking about, you know, the portion of the day we have with students versus everything else that's in their life. And, and so I think partnering with parents is just a giant piece of, of what we're up to here. Can, can you speak to that a little bit and, and how that kind of factors into, I guess, your philosophy, your day-to-day? Yeah, I mean, I um, in, in educational leadership, one of the things that always comes up is, is parent involvement, parent engagement. And it's a marker of success for a school. It's a marker of success for a student. And um, literally research is very clear. The um, children that come from two-parent homes, children that come from this set of background, et cetera, um, are more likely to be successful in nearly all facets of life. So we know, foundationally speaking, that the family um, is, the one, is the most important piece for a child's future success. We know that without a doubt. Research is very clear. And so what we want to be is not be that. We know that God has specifically designed the family for a purpose, and our job as a school, as a Christian school, is just simply partner with them on that journey. Um, and so I think that when I think of parents and how they're involved, and I'm definitely going to get um, our principals involved on this question, have them follow up with what I'm saying, but is that parents, um, they're vitally important to a kid's, obviously, development, success, all those things. But they're also vitally important uh, to the success of a school. This morning, um, I had a parent advisory committee meeting. It began at 8, and it, and it did not end until 9.52. And it was supposed to be one hour. And I, and I stopped multiple times and said, I'm so sorry I went over. I'm so sorry I went over. Um, and it wasn't because we were arguing about things. It wasn't because they had concerns about things. They spent a great amount of time this morning just talking about how thankful they were um, that, that, their, that their kids were involved in at Lakeway and Cornerstone and how the last week was spiritual emphasis week for us and how much that helped their children, how much the impact, the discussions around the dinner table, like all those things. But what we but what we know, what we believe is that, you know, we're here to provide resources, we're here to we're here to help. But at the end of the day, really we're just there to be with parents because they are the ones in charge of that journey. They're the ones that the Bible has called to lead their their kids to faith. They're the ones that have called uh, to to lead their kids well, to point them to Jesus and, and, and just to help them fall in love with him. Um so Mr. Vicar, Dr. Long parent perspective as far as from a principal's perspective, how important it is for parent involvement, how, how impactful they are. 
So I talk a lot and often about how I believe people work from their confidence. You know, I think um, athletes go out and shoot those free throws over and over again because they want to see that ball go through the net. Then when it's game time, they know they can do it because they've seen it. They've seen themselves be successful in the practice. And so I think in elementary school specifically that um, parents are the best confidence builders in their children. And kind of inversely, they can be the biggest confidence killers in their children as well. But parents have that unique relationship with their child in which when they are speaking life into their child, when they are speaking positivity, when they are speaking belief into them, your child believes you more than they believe anyone else. And so when you are telling them you're doing a great job reading that book, they really are identifying like, I'm a great reader. My mom thinks I'm a great reader, so I am. You know, mm. she's she's the most important influence in my life in elementary school. And so, you know, our um, partnership with parents comes in a lot just in those moments of them coming home and practicing those new skills, getting that encouragement. You know, I tell parents the most important reading activity you can do with your children is just put them in your lap and make silly voices and read the story and have that warm and wonderful experience of spending time together. But really, um, I think for us, it's they're the confidence builders. They're the ones that their children believe them more than anyone. And so we just need their partnership to speak life, to speak belief. Um, if we believe what the Bible says, then we know that God has a plan and purpose for their life and that he's given them the gifts and talents and abilities that they need to fulfill that purpose and all we really need to do is direct them to him, right? So they don't need a lot from us as human beings, but they need everything that he has. And so that's really the most important piece that we need from the home. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, to build off that, it's like something happens, you know, in the drive when a student leaves fifth grade at Cornerstone <laughs> and comes to sixth grade at Lakeway and, and goes into those middle school years. You know, and a lot of things, you know, there's, there's developmental things that are going on there. Um, you know, and, and so... In some ways, the involvement changes, right? The involvement uh, that a parent has in school, uh, you know, at, at the elementary level looks different than what it looks like at the middle and high school level. And not that parents don't want to be involved, obviously, uh, but uh, opportunities change, the kinds of things we do in school change. And so uh, having those places where parents can plug in uh, becomes such a, a value uh, that we can offer to families. Uh, but then not only that, just the recognition that we're on the same team. And I think that's the biggest thing, uh, you know, where we're mutually beneficial to one another, the school and the family, is that we are on the same team, we're saying the same things. Um, and so, uh, you know, as, as students go through middle school, high school age, uh, they become skeptical of, of the things that people are telling them, they, they question a lot of authority and those kinds of things, but just the, the fact that we are, you know, presenting a unified front uh, in a lot of ways, I, I think is, is such an important uh, aspect of that developmental process as those students are, are, are growing through those, those years uh, that we can say, no, you know, we are all here for you. Uh, we are, are all here because we care about you. Uh, and so even when it doesn't feel like that for the student because of a hard thing that's happening, because of consequence of a decision that's been made, uh, you know, that, that is still true. Your parents, your teachers, uh, we are all here because we want good things for you. And so that, that's a great, uh, it allows us to do, to do so much more. You know, mm -hmm. Often we'll talk with families 
um, you know, we go through an extensive admissions process. We have, there are tests, there are applications that have to be filled out, there are references, all these kinds of things. And when I sit down with families in, in the interview, they always say, you know, we go through this process not because we're trying to weed people out or anything like that, but because it's so vitally important that we're on the same page. Uh, that the things that we say and do and teach here at school match up with the things that you say and do and teach at home. And that's the case because when it's true and we're all pulling in the same direction, we it's such a force multiplier. We can do so much more together than we can do each, each of us on our own. Yeah, and you know, we the thing, the visual that comes to my mind all the time is as we talk about triangulation, right? So when we have the the, the home the church and the school all aligned, we think we can make the greatest impact for the kid. And so, I mean, I think that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing. When I think about, you know, stealing your words a little bit there, David, making that team and establishing that there is a team. And then part of that process is convincing the student that there is a team that is with them, that they are a part of, you know, you find the most success whenever you want to establish that team and to invite them in, you know, as the focal point of it. Obviously, you know, we want to respect your time. So there's no way that we can go over just every single part of that team and every, you know, group that we partner with. But I, I want to go back to something you said a moment ago, Brett, you know, talking about the church and Dr. Klein brought up being multi-denominational and kind of what that means for us and what that looks like on a daily basis. So can you speak to that partnership, Brett, the partnership between us and I guess I'm going to say, you know, capitalize the church, but, you know, churches here and, and what that looks like in your work. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, we say it almost every day. We are not the church, uh, but we think that you should be a part of one. And so uh, to talk about the team, I mean, I think that uh, being a Christ follower, uh, it has implications of being part of Christ's body. Uh, Christ's body is the church. And so, you know, we, we don't try to, I mean, on the, on the one hand, I mean, we don't want to, we don't want to step into the church's lane. There are some conversations, there's some part of, uh, you know, spiritual formation that, that only the church should play. That's, that's God's designed for believers, for them to be a part of a local church, not just to be a part of a, a Christian school, you know? And so like, we do want to, uh, we want to respect those, uh, we want to respect those distinctives. But at the same time, we also, we want to see ourselves as uh, church adjacent. And so, you know, like uh, if you think about where do you go next, you know, sort of like what's the, what's the off-ramp, on-ramp for somebody who uh, calls Cornerstone or, or Lakeway home, like we want it to be a very natural thing to be a part of a local church. So whether that's, uh, that's through church partnership, um, and by partnership, I mean, you know, in, in a few weeks, we're going to host uh, like a local uh, disciple now for a number of churches in the area. And so we, we think that should be natural. We think it should be an okay thing for us to be associated with a number of churches. We, we regularly highlight the importance of being a, a, a part, a, mem- a member, a partner of local churches. We, we talk about church attendance. We, we ask that question on a really consistent basis. Are, are, do you go to church? Do you have a pastor? Do you have a youth pastor? Uh, we want to highlight youth pastors. We want to we want to almost in some ways destigmatize the the idea of, of being a part of a church as somebody who's you know in middle school, high school, uh, and we do things like pastor appreciation. We just did that at Cornerstone a few days ago, where we wanted to highlight local pastors in the area. Um, but at the same time, I think that it's a uh, uh, 
a huge part of the church relationship comes from not just what you say, but what you demonstrate. And so I, one of the things that I love is seeing uh, not just members of our staff at the church where I personally attend, but hearing our students talk to other faculty members and say, I, I saw you, I saw you yesterday. I saw you Sunday at church. And, um, and it, that's, that's really, I think one of the most powerful things is to see that we value it. We, we prioritize it. And we also, we want to highlight the, the work that they do in, in their field and in, in, the, in those ways. I'm appreciating your word adjacent there because uh, it, it feels pretty purposeful. I think one unspoken perspective that I, I see a lot in like tours or, you know, when someone comes and visits us here and they have this preconceived notion of what Christian education is or what a Christian school is. And that can mean different things to different people. Some folks will come in and go, okay, this is a church where you can learn math. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to send my kid here. And just like you said, David, you know, they'll be perfect by the time that we're done. And we know that that is definitely not the case. Same way, you know, we're not looking to, like, trick anyone into following our Savior. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's why we have that process of teaming up and working together and working with churches as sort of a, a springboard, I guess, if you will. We start the conversation here, have the conversation here, make that environment and everything, and then we can get that conversation going a little further with your church that we are working with. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And, I, you know, the, the image that comes to mind is that it, it, we're also not like a you know, we're not an evangelistic rally. This is not like we want to connect you after you've made some kind of decision. Like we want the the home of your, like the hub of your discipleship should be the local church. And that we, we get to play a, a really important and major role in that alongside them. Uh, but we're not trying to take the place of what should be the hub of that. For sure. Well, do you have any other thoughts, Dr. Klein? Or uh, I guess then I realize what I have done to, especially you three who are our guests today, as I said, hey, do you want to come and explain your job for an hour in your boss's office? And for some reason you <laughs> said yes. And I know we're both very thankful uh, for that. So now I'll, I'll give you a moment to take a deep breath. We're, we're coming out of the woods on what are the tough questions. But uh, truly, I want to thank you for your perspectives on this because I know this is enlightening for me and it's helpful for our parents and other listeners. Um, but unless you guys have any final comments just on the topic of, you know, what is Christian education, uh, I'll kind of walk us to, you know, some other spots. Any final comments on that topic just overall? I don't think so. I think we've covered right. the whole yeah we've, we've fully <laughs> explored all aspects of christian right. do we really need another episode left. i mean i feel like we covered yeah. everything We're yeah done. we we thought this would be a series but it seems like we kind of wrapped it all up today so thank you for checking us out but uh <laughs> well joking aside then we uh we want to do some things you know establish some uh Ritual is way too strong a word, but some consistencies that we have in each, uh, you know, episode of the Lion's Roar. Uh, one, one phrase that we always, you know, come back to is that uh, leaders are readers, and you three are undoubtedly leaders. And you know what? I'll say you four. I'm going to throw you into that too, Dr. Klein. Uh, you four are definitely leaders. <laughs> so I'm curious what you are reading. Uh, and, and actually with that, Dr. Klein, do you want to start for us? Tell us what you've been reading. Yes, I'll lead us off. Um, I uh, I do I do love to read, and um, one of the the book that I'm reading right now is called Flight Plan. And Flight Plan is is actually not a book designed for me. It's a book designed for 
um, a young boy who is entering like that early stages of, of really going into puberty and going into that 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 you know that that pre-teenage years, and so um, kind of becoming a man, and so. So I am reading Flight Plane right now in preparation to kind of walk with my son through that book. Um, and so it's very interesting, uh, you know, maybe explain some things I didn't know anything about when I was 12 years old or whatever the case would be. But, um, yeah, Flight Plan, um, so far so good. Highly recommend it. All right. Excellent. Well, Dr. Long, what about you? Sure. So I like to always be reading both a nonfiction and a fiction book. Um, that's just a personal goal of me that I like to maintain. So fiction, I'll start light first. The, the fiction book that I'm reading right now is called The Shadowy Horses, and that's actually the title of the book is pulled from a Keats poem, but it's a book about um, a Roman, a famous Roman legion called the Ninth Legion that goes missing, and they're sent out on a specific tour, and then all of a sudden they vanish, and it's a group of um, archaeologists doing a dig, trying to find out what happened to them. So that's the fiction book that I'm reading, and then the nonfiction book that I'm reading right now is called um, I'm just finishing it up, but I would really recommend it to everybody listening. It's called When People Are Big and God is Small. Um, I'm seeing some dancing here in the room from uh, from Brett. Such a great book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I would really just, I would recommend it for everybody listening. Um, it's been a great uh, just revisiting of the idea that we are either living in the fear of man or the fear of God um, and when we are living in one, the fear of man, right, then that's going to cause a lot of problems. But when we are living in the fear of God, um, maybe not as often as we wish we were, but then that is when things can be rightly aligned. And so um, it's a great book. I mean, I remember being in college and reading the screw tape letters and just having that moment where I was like, oh, I can, I finally am understanding like how uh, my thinking is being manipulated and so my behaviors are then being manipulated this has been sort of the same experience like i'm having that same sort of brain clarity moment of like oh now i'm understanding how my thinking is messed up and that's creating behavior patterns that i need to go back and address through scripture and prayer and living in the fear of god instead of the fear of man awesome yeah it's good to have those checkpoint books that help you kind of calibrate uh, so sure. I, yeah. And it started great conversations, too, with yeah. the other believers around me, um, just as I'm kind of re-illuminating some of those thought patterns, and then it starts great conversations. And, you know, that's another great part of working in a Christian organization is I'm going to work and having those conversations. I'm having them at home and having them at church. And that goes back to the triangulation that Dr. Klein was talking about. Great book. You should read it. All right. Well, our, our pattern so far, uh, I believe Dr. Klein had one book, Dr. Long had two. So what three books are you reading right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That turns out that's, that's we're going the other way oh, okay. uh, <laughs> in this pattern. Uh, yeah. No, uh, so I, I tend to be the kind of guy that I, I, I get excited about a lot of books. I get a lot of books and it takes me a while to get in them. So I recently uh, picked up one that's been on my shelf for a minute and I've, I've been intending to read it. Uh, it's called Not the Way It's Supposed to Be, uh, Breviary of Sin. It's by uh, Neil Plantigna. And so the, the concept is in, in Christianity, in, in modern times in particular, there is there's sort of a diminishment of our understanding or the significance of sin, what it is, why it's important, you know, those kinds of things. And so really examining that not because obviously we want to celebrate that, but because we don't understand 
it's, we can't fully understand why we need a savior if we don't understand what we need to be saved from. And so that, that's really the, the thesis of, of the book. I've, I just started reading it last week, so I've only just started getting into it, but I uh, would also highly recommend it. It's, it's, it's been a really great read, and I'm excited to see uh, where he takes it. All right, some some really casual, you know, wind yeah. down reading, uh, <laughs> exactly. pretty cheap. So that feels kind of like three books, but it does, it does <laughs> sound like a very interesting topic. So, um, and, and then you know, last but certainly not least, Brett, I'm going to kick it over to you. Uh, no, just one. So there's, uh, it's called "Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools" by Tyler Staten, and this uh, is the idea of prayer and. The, the praying like monks part talks about just the, the kind of historical practices that were really uh, kind of normative for the church, um, even times of day, the regular practice of prayer. But then uh, the implications of that, and really the, what that looks like on a, on a basis, prayer, unless unless accompanied by a strong belief, prayer can feel foolish uh, a lot of times. What like what am I doing right now? Even when you reflect on your, your prayer life, some of us feel foolish talking about the lack of uh, the lack of prayer that we... Uh, prayer is one of those subjects that everybody knows is important and nobody wants to talk about um, because it just, it stirs up feelings of guilt and shame and uh, I don't know. But this is, it's so far so great. So praying like fools, living like monks. All right, there we go. Well, a room full of readers. And, and then myself, I'm probably the weakest reader of the crew just based on these answers so far. Uh, I've been reading a very fiction book called House of Leaves, which some of you may have heard of before. And I'm not going to say the author's name because it is a book about someone who wrote a book about a documentary. And within the fiction of the book, the documentary isn't real the book isn't real and so it's just a big thriller kind of trip all the way through um but it is a lot of fun and i would recommend it um and this may be a little bit of a cop out but uh at church we've been going through ecclesiastes and so that has been really good so yeah so nobody come at me about you know oh ecclesiastes not that good of a book i, th- I think you know I- i'd be okay there but uh, well, thank you for that. Well, I think, Dr. Klein, you have a very special question then uh, to throw in. Yeah, so uh, we uh, just want to transition to my most, I think, one of the most important issues that we'll talk about today. Before we do, though, um, I just want to take a moment just to say thank you so much to each of you guys for participating in our first podcast. Um, I have been in education for a long time now, and um, I used to not be able to say that, but now I can. <laughs> and and um, and it's, it goes by quicker, like the days are short, or the days are long, but the years are short. And so I can definitely, definitely say that. But I just want to tell you guys how much I appreciate you um, to, to as a leader. Um, you are only as good as the people around you, and I really, really believe that. And there's nobody else I would rather work with each day. Um, I think that we have grown together as leaders, but we've also... Uh, come together as friends and as people that um, have a common belief set to, to really impact students and to point them to, to, to Jesus each day. There's really no greater task than that. And so I'm just thankful for each of you all. Um, but to go completely opposite of that remark, um, I wanted to say um, Super Bowl Sunday's coming up. And one of my favorite, I, I am a, um, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Oof. And so I know, oop. And so that means I've not won anything uh, since Enron was a successful company. Um, and so we've not won a Super Bowl. And now I'm really loud out there in the world. Uh, but hopefully you can hear me better. So we have not. Um, I really wish. Is this is okay to do this in a podcast? 
I'm doing it. Here's what I'm about to do. I really wish you could have seen me leaning down as the microphone kept going. My head was almost below the desk. And so um, I would have passed out, but but, um, Scissor's able to save me. And so this will be a memory from our first podcast and all the millions of listeners out there, I'm sure. And so so anyway, Super Bowl Sunday to me is really fun. It's time to be together with family and friends. So the most important question of today is what is your favorite Super Bowl party dish? And so Brett, start us off. No, easy answer. Buffalo chicken dip. So oh, okay. buffalo okay. chicken dip. Spicy buffalo chicken. Like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. No other way. Is yeah. there? Yeah. Well, it's buffalo, I guess. Mr. Vicker. So I mean, wings are the obvious answer. Yeah. You, you have to have wings. That's a non-negotiable. Um, and I, you know, the the broader the variety of sauces, the better. Personally, I'm a flats guy. You okay. know, you can have all the drummies you want. I like. Oh, give me the flats. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Can, can I ask? Just hop in here really quickly. As someone who even knows to refer to them as flats, are you one of these guys that you can like? <laughs> you you hit it with your hand a certain way and like knock on it three times and then you put the whole wing in your mouth and bones come out. Like, no, like, definitely not. Okay, okay. Although I, we once had a, a an international student who lived with us for a couple of years and. Uh, she could destroy a chicken wing like no person I've ever seen. Like the bone, it was it was ready for preservation. At the end. It was beautiful, yeah. archaeological, yes. fantastic, yes. fantastic. Doctor Long, Doctor Klein, I can't remember the last time I watched the Super Bowl. Oh. Um, you know, when you go to bed about seven thirty or eight, you don't make it to many of these okay. large sporting events. But I'm a real chip and dip girl. Okay, what kind of dip? Uh, spinach artichoke is a is a favorite. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Spencer, um, Doctor Long and I feel very similarly about the Super Bowl for very different reasons. <laughs> I, I'm definitely not going to bed that early, but I'm uh, usually I'll dip in for the food. I'll go to the church party and I'll eat, and you know, uh, yeah, that's about it. So I'm going to change up everybody's menu this year just really quickly. Uh, who here likes pigs in a blanket? Okay, we've got five people in the room. I'm seeing 11 hands. So I think we can all agree. We really like pigs in a blanket. So here's what you do this year. I want you to get just like the pizza crust, the Pillsbury rollout, you know, pizza crust. Get your little smokies. Lay those out, little squares for each of them, and then put a little cube of cheese in there too. Now wrap that guy up, love and care, and then you're going to boil some water, put some baking powder in there. A pretzel. Oh. You, she's ahead of me. You, oh, sorry. You put it at, no, this is great. And then you put them in there, not long at all. You just want to be a little, they look a little blanched. From there, right into the oven, some mm-hmm. flaky salt after. You've got some cheese pretzel weenies. And who's even going to watch at that point? Maybe I'm going to sleep <laughs> at seven at the same time as you because I'm <laughs> full of coma. those those little cheesy smokies. Yeah, food yeah. Coma. That's Fantastic. Right. Thank you so much for sharing those recipes. Uh, they will be in the show notes after. Um, <laughs> Um, so, uh, but, but in all seriousness, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, last transition will be, is we want to talk specifically about a few events at Lakeway, um, that are coming up. And when we say the word Lakeway, we mean Lakeway and Cornerstone as we're Lakeway Christian schools. Um, and so first, um, Mr. Moore, if you just want to get just a, you know, like a 60 second elevator speech for our upcoming parent focus. Yes. We talked about parent partnership, uh, a lot during this episode. And so being a parent is, uh, is a, important and also sometimes it's a hard job and so any way that we can help we want to parent focus 23 is on february the 13th at six o'clock here at lakeway christian academy uh we'll be hosting david thomas who's an author and speaker and counselor from daystar ministries in nashville uh his latest book are my kids on track has been really helpful to a, a, a number of us um and i i can't commend uh content or a speaker more than that and so 
Uh, you can register at lakewaytix.com and um, registration is going great. And I would encourage you to register as soon as possible and join us on February the 13th at 6 for, for a, a free event. Free event. Free event. Free dollars. Free dollars. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I would also just chime in to say our admissions applications are open for both campuses. So you can go on our website, lcstn.org, um, click admissions tab, and you can access our um, you can access all of our admissions files there um, for grades pre-K through 12. Just a, a few final events that we have kind of on the horizon. Um, well, already going on at the moment, our financial aid application for the upcoming school year starting in August is open now. Um, if you are a current Lakeway family, we ask that you have that completed by May this year, if at all possible. Um, and then if you're joining us, you know, just when, when you can have that completed. Another date coming up soon, our opt-out window uh, is coming up in early February. February 1st, I believe, is the plan for that. It will close at the end of February. If you have questions about opt-out and just enrollment in general, reach out to our admissions office and our student services folks here at Lakeway. We'd be happy to help. Um, as far as events, uh, very soon we have the East Tennessee ACT Essentials Day. Um one, I'm very excited about that. It was a really successful uh, inaugural event last year. Uh, the other piece is that my wife is running it, and so I, I have to talk about it or I would be a bad husband. So uh, registration for that is also on lakewaytix.com. Um, it's the best 15, I believe, dollars that you can possibly spend if you're getting ready for that big test day. And then, of course, registration for our annual gala is open as well. More information about that, ticket levels, time date, all that good stuff, lakewaytix.com. Is your spot for everything. Well, unless there are any other big notes or anything like that, I, I want to say just thank yous again to everybody involved. Thank you for listening to this. You know, the I, I was telling uh, everybody here that the first episode of a podcast is sometimes, you know, your pilot, your burner episode. So I, I do know that things will be different as we go along. I will understand how to run our setup better and we'll figure some things out and Mike's won't have uh, Dr. Klein lying on the floor. You know, we'll, we'll have that fixed in the future. But I do know it will be tough to beat our guests for today. And, and so thank you again to Dr. Long and Brett and uh, David McVicker and just all of you guys for being here with us. Um, it was a real treat getting to talk to you and just talk on this you know, subject. So I, I think that's just about... Sign us off, brother. Sign us off. Yeah. Well, I mean, you say it a lot better than I do. We can all... Actually, we should all say it at once. On three, can we get a go Lions? That's our sign off. Okay. And, and we're not going to do it on three. It's after one, two, three, okay. boom. Okay. All right. Here we go. One, two, three, go, go Cubs. She snuck it in. I heard a go Cubs. That's I'm okay fair. with that. That's fair. I have, I have two Cubs myself. <laughs> Thank you for listening. You guys have a great day.